In Our Words podcast is real talk from real folks who made real moves as entrepreneurs and nonprofit leaders. Authentic, insightful conversations. Gems dropped every episode. In their words, Rodeo Ellis and Sean Lewis talk about the love of self, the love of place, knowing the value of your story, and navigating around no. I've, I've made mistakes. You know, everyone makes mistakes. It's just the mistake doesn't define me. You know, I realized at a very young age how I wanted to live. And, you know, I went for it. And I know safety net, you know, there's nobody, there's, there's no one there for me to run to if it didn't work. Right. So I had to go forward even when I fell down. I love the part about acknowledging that you make a mistake, you have to figure things out and you have to go seek out information. And so often it can feel like, a, a failure at the outset so we've and I know I've I've had this experience as well where I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur I'm supposed to be so sharp I'm supposed to be so talented I'm supposed to have all of these other dynamics about me then I should be able to figure this out and not being able to figure this out somehow we translate that or I know I have translated that into questioning your ability your worth your um, prospects right but to be reminded that the seeking and failing and falling and figuring out is part of the experience makes it part of the experience and and not uh, an indictment of how your particular experience is going so i think that's so important to be reminded that it's the whole package the sales that you didn't get the proposal that didn't go quite right the idea that only had two of its needed for uh stool legs to to keep it propped up all of those things are part of getting you to a place of stability In their words, Jamila Riley and Robin Scott talk about boundaries, code switching, unapologetic blackness, and definitions of success. So what I have to say about networking is you're going to meet people in your role naturally. You're going to put yourself out there uh, because, I mean, you start a business to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But you want to be intentional about how you do things so that the impact is greater. And so follow through on those cars that you exchange, follow through on the people that you meet, sit down and take a breath when you are in a space and it feels good what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And that's where I've started to really let loose. Like I've been connecting with some other powerful owners and entrepreneurs and especially women bosses that are in my community. And we sit down and we we're, we're out and we're relaxing and you know, I'm trying to stick to a, I need to get home, but you know what? This is for my business. This is for my work. This is for my role. And it feels good, but it goes back to that conversation we had earlier. And so when I enjoy something, I'm learning to just enjoy it and to pick up on other things later and Mm -hmm. to say, this is my investment in my business, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that at the end of the week now, I can give myself a little bit of pat on the back and say, you know what? I I did something that is going to be beneficial to my work and I'm networking and connecting and sharing with people. Mm -hmm. And there's such a power in it because then they're 
out there and they're telling people about what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. They're telling people about where you're at. They're telling people about something that's deeper than what your website can show, what your social media can show. They're telling them about you and what's in here. And that is what spreads about the community. And I think that's, I know, and I don't even want to say I think, <laughs> I know that that's why the success of our organization is continuing to grow because there's so many people that are intentional about their networking scheme. The idea of networking on its own gets a, gets a, not even say a bad rap, but it strikes terror <laughs> in a lot of folks because we're introduced to networking as a strategy, which it is, that when you say it, people instantly think about the after work reception and people handing out business cards and just asking people where they are, what they do, and you're always clocking who can get you what. Yes, at the core, that's what networking essentially means. But what she is saying here is it's about being comfortable where you are in that moment. So in that moment, if it's at a coffee shop, in that moment, if you're talking with someone else, when as you're picking up your kids, in that moment, you are at the happy hour place, that you're still able to bring you to that experience. So part of the trick, I think, of networking is for it to be intentional without feeling transactional. So there is a reason why we're all at this happy hour thing, where there's a reason we're all at this particular banquet or this outing, and honoring that everyone has a reason for being there. I think for me, I know through my work life, I've come to lean into people's with them what's in it for me because if I know what your with them is why you're here what's important to you then we are already moving starting off in a place of authenticity right so no one's pretending like I'm not interested in getting the contact name for the person who writes your checks in your company <laughs> um, but I think in realizing that networking a bird's eye view is about building these human connections it's about finding ways to be authentic in every room you show up in whether you're there to get a purchase order or not and how to receive other people and how and where they show up the biggest tip is to remember that you never know who you're talking to you don't know their network. You don't know their skill set. You don't know their ambitions. You don't know the potential of partnership in the future. And even outside of imagining what this human being in front of you could or could not do for you, it's a whole human being in front of you. So celebrate that and be in that in this moment. So I take a, a great deal of pride in knowing that a lot of the work that I continue to do. Some of the rooms that I've pulled together, people are in the room because of human interactions we've had in the past. A simple conversation we had over coffee or a joke that we were able to share at a business conference. So really showing up as myself and being interested in how other people show up is also networking. So they she definitely dropped, dropped a gem here where you can mix your love of humans and community and have that be an overlay to the ambitions you have for your organization, your business, and still be able to sleep well at night and not feeling like you're a gamer or a schemer, which a lot of people feel that they're doing when they think about networking. So it's really about reframing your why to network, and then you'll be able to really better appreciate these connections that you make along the way. 
In their words, Dr. Monique Liston and Dr. Khadija Kelly talk about self-preservation, racial battle fatigue, the interpretation of white people, and not wasting the ancestors' time. Um, I guess for me, uh, you do need uh, white allies. And uh, I think because of where I'm located, right, I'm in a predominantly white community. And so I needed to have, um, th that was my go-to, really. Um, and I think that they owe us, plain and simple. Like, I, I, that's what the allies are there for. Um, and, and so I think it really, for me, it was important. For, for them to do the leg for my white ally white aspiring allies to do the legwork. Um, uh, however, I don't think that they make me thrive. Like I, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's really ultimately it's up to me as a black woman um, to make sure that I'm getting my business upright. Because at, for me, the reality is is that I am, you know, I'm very intentional about working with the black community. Therefore, I need to show up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a interesting thing um, to consider because of the the question I put forth in the beginning like what what, what does it mean for us to create a, a work environment where black women femmes and non-binary folks the marginalized genders would have the opportunity to flourish and so in doing that we're carrying a question with us every single day which is what is our engagement with whiteness <laughs> and what does it mean for us at any given turn? You know, like we, we are and will always remain an equal opportunity employer, right? But in order to enter this space, do you have the capacity to really understand what it means to protect Black livelihoods in the workplace? I absolutely love being introduced to this term, aspiring ally. White aspiring ally. Any flavor of aspiring ally suggests or reminds us that you just don't get to put on a shirt that says you're an ally. The people that you are trying to ally with will let you know that you are an ally or not. So all of us, to some capacity are aspiring to be an ally. Um, and so I really like that as language. It's definitive, it's still hopeful, it is not um, shaming in any way, and it's not punitive. You know, I think we are in a unique position in this moment in time where we're not necessarily redefining the relationships. We're not redefining what whiteness is more than anything. We are all getting into, onto the same definition and understanding and full-throated language of the impact whiteness has had on all of us. And so is it about whiteness or is it about white people? And that's the question. That's, I think, is the redefinition that we are in a position to be able to make because for all of our time here, it's been in many cases one and the same. So the idea of allyship is a reminder that absolutely there are humans and colleagues and old high school friends and professional um, peers who happen to be white people, but are they afflicted with whiteness? And to be safe, we just kind of give a long eye to everyone, which is counterproductive in many ways because it's the same 
knee-jerk response and action that we have had to work and thrive in the face of. So it's a, there's theory and then there's practicality. There's um, kumbaya and there's KKK. There's what you want and then there's what you have. So to be in a space to really be intentional in how you design your workspace is incredible. And to ask the question and to be able to discern who and how whiteness impacts your workspace obviously is a conversation of white people and I know I've had the the consideration when I'm thinking about the graphic designer I'm going to hire when I'm thinking about who's going to host this event when I'm trying to think of caterers when I'm reaching out to instructors all those pieces my go-to is to lift up the talents and the educators and the artists and the professionals who are in my personal network and thankfully my personal network is pretty broad so even within that I'm trying to reach out to someone who doesn't get called all the time already and even with these filters that I give myself on how to maximize my platform I'm always thinking of people um, of my black and brown peers first because I know in the broader context, they're not thought of first. So do I have white people in my network who are talented and sharp and thought partners? Absolutely. And those, and I call on them when it makes sense to call on them and has nothing to do with them being white or not. When I'm able to look at my network as being rich, we have the same opportunity and the same thought processes, but a, a lot more at stake. I believe, in deciding how we how we construct our workspaces, how we engage our own diverse networks, and and what's the integrity? Does it change for us? Um, I say no, but of course there's a di- there's a dialogue depending on who you are, where you are, and what your personal network looks like. But to be intentional about how you fill positions and opportunities will beget a ripple effect that hopefully will shift everyone being called upon because they're dope, right? Regardless of what they're wrapped in. We're not there yet, but we also as entrepreneurs and way makers and um, givers of contracts and such, we, we have a role to play and an opportunity to shift how some of these moves are made moving forward. So I love that every step from the billing person to how we name this place is a shift to the bigger conversation of work and for entrepreneurs. In their words, Samantha Collier and Arlita Allen talk about planting seeds, the weight of shame, choosing new destinies, and your reputation showing up ahead of you. Being a person that um, stands on authenticity and also teaches others to embrace who they are, it's important that you are exposed yourself, Mm -hmm. that you are comfortable with telling people where you come from. And and so they don't have to be afraid to one day share where they come from or be ashamed of where they come from Mm -hmm. because there's still opportunity. There's still chance after chance each day that God grants grace and air in these lungs is another opportunity to choose different, to be accepting a difference. And I recognize the fact that some people don't get that choice, but God granted me the ability to be able to escape um, being exploited and also prostituting at the age of 15 
and God opened up the door. My mother came back to rescue me and she brought me back to the city of Fond du Lac in which I now currently reside. Mm -hmm. And from there, I've had many of things, pregnant at the age of 16, being a teen mom, um, growing through the system, knowing what it's like to be on Section 8 housing, knowing what it's like to live for how many food stamps you're going to get in the beginning of the month to striving just to try to make a way for you and your kids. Mm -hmm. That's my life. That's my story. Mm -hmm. But I'm not ashamed mm -hmm. to tell it because some little girl out there needs to hear it. Somebody out there needs to know some adult woman right now is walking around with the guilt of her past mm -hmm. and she needs to know that she does not have to suffer any longer, mm -hmm. that she can be freed by making a different choice, mm -hmm. that she can choose what destiny, what her future looks like. And it can start with just listening. Oh, man, this is um, this is a really powerful episode on a lot of levels. And even though. Uh, her particular narrative may may seem may sound extreme, and actually it isn't. That same grace that she's talking about, we all have, we all get to lean into that for ourselves. The amount of damage and spoilage that happens because of shame, right? because of shame literally spoiling someone's idea of a future spoiling someone's sense of worth spoiling someone's pursuit of possibility um, because of I, I think of it as a smudge right if you think about when you painted the wall and after it's all dried and then you notice that there's lint on this one corner or there's or the handprint or fingerprint someplace and you always know it's there even if no one else notices it, you know it's there. And that's what shame does. So to that same comparison, you know, how you may put something in front of that, that linty part of paint, or you may try to get a painting to cover up the, that smudge on the wall, or you're concerned about it, and it's, it's distracting you from decorating the rest of your house you know compare that to your your life and your your journey forward we all have these moments that we aren't proud of things that we've done things that were said things that were um available or not and we're not culturally socially encouraged to talk about it you're supposed to get over it and get up and keep it moving if you haven't already decided that this, this emotion counts you out from pursuing what you want to pursue, from living as fully as you know that you would like to and certainly deserve to. Um, and then you add, and that's just getting up every day, being a person. So you add getting up every day, being a person, dealing with um, these layers of memory and hurt and shame. Then you have that person want to run a business. That person <laughs> is going to lend themselves to the community. That person is going to establish a legacy for their family. There's an emotional strength that's necessary to take these kinds of risks and to take these kind of risks in stride and with strategy, you know, like a business person that we don't always give ourselves permission to for the human who's trying to be a business person. The work that needs to be done, the work that is afforded, um, to be able to stand in all of that. So that's what was really powerful to hear these two women 
talk about that reality and that they were able to have that conversation with themselves, gift themselves that as part of their journey. And it just makes me think of the, the countless folks who haven't taken step one because of these similar emotions, maybe these similar circumstances, but whether it's um, the degree of being trafficked all the way down to being the one in your family who dot, 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 dot. We have so many different ways that we, that our emotions and our histories keep us held back in, in the space of being an entrepreneur and a business person that requires you to be on point, be thoughtful, be strategic, and be whole. Yeah, we know a lot of business people who aren't, but it works so much better if, you're, if your innards are healthy too. Uh, so that's such a huge, 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 huge part of this journey. And I um, was celebrating that both of these um, business women um, were people who were able to gift that healing to themselves as part of this work. In their words, Chris Kimbrough and Walter Matthews talk about shine versus the grind, laws of reciprocity, learning as you go, and the poison of ego and abandoning the game of society says. See, one thing that we got to understand is we got to learn to normalize saying that somebody is better at something than we are. Mm, yes, yes. Because you we can't just, be good at everything. You, hey, somebody got to be better yeah, at something. Right. <laughs> now, the question is, the question comes with, are you going to learn from that? Right. Right. So that's how you get the people. You strategically put the people in your circle. Because if somebody is better than me at ball fade, why am I hating on this brother? I need to learn from him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If somebody's better on me at opening up businesses, I need to learn from this brother. I need him in my circle. Mm-hmm. You, know, you see what I'm saying? But if I can, but if every time I tell you, hey, I'm winning, and you say be humble, that's a problem. It's a problem. Why does me winning affect you so much? Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people, you hear the saying, show me your, your network and I'll show you your net worth. So show mm-hmm. me your friends, I'll show you, you know, uh-huh. value and things of that nature, right? I always say, understand your self-worth. And mm-hmm. build your network mm-hmm. because if you know the power of you, if uh-huh. you know how much you're uh-huh. valued, then you're gonna selectively, even when it's painful. I've cut family off, I've cut off friends. Uh-huh. I mean, people I've known 15, 20 years that I thought was like, hey, I thought y'all was cool, you know. But then you see, they're they're for you, in front of you, uh-huh. but they're not for you, right? And they hold you down. yeah, and they're it's off. like don't don't you know don't have people around you in which you're a uh, benefit for. I think that what sticks out to the, me the most is is the idea of your circle and the reality that everyone isn't rooting for you in spite of themselves. So that's the part that I, I think that it's taken me living to appreciate that there are folks that even in spite of themselves, it's not a malicious effort. It's not them going out of their way to be cruel or be dismissive, but there is work within them that hasn't happened. And there's an envy and not even just of you. So, so easy to say, Oh, so-and-so is just jealous of me. Mm, I mean, I guess that could be part of it, but it's not even about you. There's a jealousy or an envy there, yes, about what you're doing, about how boldly you are 
winning as it, as it will look from the outside and that you're joyful about it and unapologetic about it and that other people are noticing it and that stirs in them a desire, a longing, a frustration, and they got nowhere else to point it to but you and anyone else who's doing, living how they how they would like to have their work or life be. Not your issue until they get in the way of your work. So, and that's a human nature thing. The other part of that is to try to not to attach a judgment to it. Now, when it becomes where it's interfering with both of us getting our work done, that's a whole different talk show and a whole different conversation. But garden variety envy is a human condition because we have we have desires, we have plans, and we only can make assumptions on the successes that we see other people having. And also, not your problem, but to know that you're able to move through these spaces and again, be consistent, be authentic and be yourself. And the conversation around humility, there is a point of being humble. In my experience and my definition, being humble is knowing that you have incredible talent and you also have been given incredible opportunity. And that coin has value on both sides, meaning no one's taking away from everything that you're capable of and all of your shininess. And you also can't deny the the fortune of the stars aligning for you to be able to to show off and maximize and leverage and apply all of that talent. Because there are a lot of talented people who are still waiting for an opportunity. And there are a lot of folks with opportunity who don't necessarily have the talent to, to maximize what's been given to them. So all of this, to some degree, um, you can call it luck. I think everything is divine. Everything happens as it should. Even the things that you want to happen that aren't happening for you yet. It's because something else is coming. But when you're in the middle of that moment, sometimes that green monster is all that is there to meet you. So I think it's important to have a sense of grace if you're on the receiving end of that type of energy and the more clear you are about your why, about your what, and the universe is going to let you know how, you just keep keep it moving and try to offer um, humility and grace to humans around you who may be having fits of envy. And again, that's not your problem um, unless they make it a practical problem for you because you're going to have it also being a mortal yourself. So being able to acknowledge that, and I think it gives us a different way to engage with each other and acknowledge some of these emotions that get in the way of being smart business folks, but stay smart best you can. In their words, Albert Walker and Bobby Drake talk about publicly falling on your face, dispelling the status myths of entrepreneurship and the currency of patience and having a growth mindset. You need you need to to 100 percent believe that. I'm going to figure it out. Like. Every other thing that I have came from that, right? Like I've been producing music. I'm. I turned 40 in September. I've been producing music since I was 18. My mother, my father, my stepfather, all bassists, singers, 
my cousins, uh, aunts, uncles, DJs, drummers, musicians, like everybody's in music, right? I grow up this way. So like, of course I'm thinking this is, this is the wave. But at the end of the day, the only thing that ever kept me getting better as a producer was the idea that I heard something and I heard somebody do something and I can't do it. Like I'm hitting the pads, I'm doing it, I'm cutting, I'm slampling, I'm, I'm figuring, and I and it doesn't sound like that. Why doesn't my stuff sound like that? I need to figure that out. So I go and I figure that out. And then it's like, once you do that and you stack those wins and you stack your ability to look at something from the outside and go, nope, I want that. I need that. I want one of those. Once you, once you learn to turn what's not there into reality, that's the only skill that you build on. Hmm. This makes me think about the, um, the work that I've been doing as a creative change agent is I think about for every, 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 every single workshop I've done was teaching people poetry in the early days of my work, I had started to do research to understand why it was working, right? Um, because it's not about going in and converting these third graders into poets, these business executives into poets, these machinists into poets necessarily. Um, but it is taking them through a, a physical experience of not having an answer to a seemingly bizarre question that this poet lady asked them and then processing through creative thinking and, and playfulness and asking questions and deciding what the answers are boom we have a poem and when i learned in that bills is self-efficacy which is a shade off of self-confidence and self-efficacy is knowing that you are efficient at doing a thing and that thing could be um, making a sandwich, grinding your own coffee, changing the oil, writing a poem. This inventory of, of tasks that you are capable of. And the more things that are in your inventory, small and large, of things that you know you're able to do, it expands what you know you're capable of. And in business, similarly, at the beginning of our business, it can be, I want to be able to do all the things. So the advice that you need to be able to do all the things so that as you expand and get staff, you're able to give instruction and you can empathize in those type of pieces. Um, and sometimes it's I want to. And so it's learning how to do the social media yourself. It's understanding um, how to at least set up the books. So when you hand them over, it's getting an idea of processes. Right. And then as you expand and you look at your peers, you look at your market, you look at trends and figure out, oh, how can I add that travel software to my business? How can I uh, make sure that I learn how to do that particular brand of yoga to add to me? You know, you, you're taking on these professional skills that you have to teach yourself you have to learn you figure out what's 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 popping and what isn't how what do, does my business need it does it not and those are decisions that you're able to make those are risks that you're willing to take when you have the muscle memory of figuring something out as small as writing a poem to to um, Drake's example of learning how to do a particular type of beat using the software, you challenge yourself 
to figure out how to get from here to there, whatever here is and whatever over there has waiting for you. And it's been an interesting experience of the number of how often there are folks who don't give themselves the credit for being able to think through a problem. Instead, they're staring at a problem. They're obsessing over a problem. They're contracting people to help solve their problem. And to have within you the wherewithal to experiment, and experiment doesn't always work out, but being willing and being willing to try, having the skill set, the muscle memory, the bravery to try is a huge component of any adventure any venture and especially in business so it's being able to see what is outside of you and because it's outside of you not determine a because i don't already have it that means i'm not supposed to do it um what if i try it and i'm not good at it those are all thought processes that will lead you nowhere give yourself permission to try because you can only what mess up and not be good have to contract anyway but you tried and it builds within you a, a strength to, A, see opportunities that you may, that your fearful eyes may not look at. And it also builds within you a confidence that you can figure it out. And hopefully there's also going to be a, a comfort um, and a competence that if you don't figure it out, you'll get some help to get there. So we also don't need to be so brave that I need to do it. And if I didn't do it, it's not worth anything because there's just some things that are not going to be in your wheelhouse. But the more stuff you can put in your wheelhouse, the better off you and your house are going to be. In their words, Philip Bennett and Anthony Casey talk about anticipating setbacks, the gift of talking to strangers, surrounding yourself with smarter folks, and shout outs to having a nine to five. Networking and stuff like that is important to me because it helped me a lot. So we were doing um, turkey giveaways in order Toys for Tot stuff every year. We've been doing it for about 10 years. So the first five years, we were doing it, working with different people, um, older people. And um, when I wanted to open Envy, the guy kept telling me, my friend kept telling me, you know, go to the mall, go to the mall. And I had that mentality that, oh, the mall ain't, they ain't going to let no black people up in the mall because no, no black businesses were in the mall. So I gave in and I went. Uh, I asked the lady, can I get an application? I want to bring a store to the mall. And the lady was like, oh, that's cool. So she was like, you know, fill out the application. She said, it's going to take about six months for us to get back to you. And I'm like, all right, great. That'll give us enough time to build our money up, get our thought process together on what we're going to do. So about maybe three weeks, literally that fast, the lady called me back. She said, oh, you must know somebody. And to my knowledge, I'm like, I don't know nobody in here. So she was like, well, y'all application got accepted. She said, come up here. And I'm like, dang, that fast. So I cannot make this up. We walk in and the person that ran the mall is the same guy for five years straight. I used to stand beside handing out toys and turkeys, but I did. I didn't know what he did, but it was him. 
You never know who you're talking to. So A, don't talk to people crazy. B, take in the fact that you're talking to a whole human with a whole story behind them. And three, just be a good person. Just be a good person. And these types of human interactions happen all the time where you didn't realize that the person that you laugh with at the at the pickup at, after school is the same person who runs the whatever. You just never know what pathways people are on and when you're going to see them again. And the other piece of this is being active in your community in ways that make sense to and for you. So there's being active and, and there's over, there's, there's being in too, on too many boards and participating in too many clubs and to the point where your schedule is full and you're making cameos everywhere, but not really having these lasting, meaningful, memorable interactions for yourself or with other people. So he's found this thing that he does around each holiday and it becomes part of his tradition, part of his life walk. And lo and behold, here you have somebody who's doing a similar life walk who has a completely different life. You just never know. So, but the, even outside of that um, divine and divine serendipity that this person he's been volunteering with also became a, a, an entry point for a new business venture, taking even taking that part off the table, just what that outreach work did for his spirit. You can hear in his the joy when he just he described being able to do this work each holiday, giving out the turkeys. So there are these pockets of things that we can do for ourselves, even in helping the community. It's something that feeds you too. So finding something that truly, truly feeds you and and not just something that feels good to to say or looks good on an application or in your CV, um, but finding a place, a little corner of the city, of this town, of your family, where you're able to pour into and get nothing back, but you're going to get a whole bunch of joy back. And so for this to to double, this experience to double down and not only offer him joy, but to offer an outlet for his business is amazing. Is amazing because you never know who you're standing beside. In their words, Brandy Austin and Tasha Greenleaf talk about dropping the mask, being in business for yourself, but not by yourself, and being willing to venture from where you started. Again, again it really was a part of the process. And I think I kind of told you, kind of mentioned that to you. My initial thought uh, was what I wanted to become was a singer. Right. And a lot of times our thought in terms of entrepreneurship or just in, in what we become is what we see before us. My daddy was a singer bass player. Right. That's who I saw. My mom was, um, you know, she was an artist in her own right. You know, she did poetry. She was a culty dancer. She also was a speaker. So these are the things that are modeled before us. So a lot of times the first thing that we see is what we become until we are exposed to more. What's changed for you mentally, physically, spiritually within your life? And how do you how do you balance the, the, the all of that into one and continue pushing forward? 
Man, everything has changed for me. Everything from the way that I deal with people, talk to people, the way that I move, the way that everything, my work life, uh, everything has changed because it's not about me anymore. You know, it, it, mm. it, at first, everything was kind of um, centered around my kids. You know, everything I did, I did it for my kids so that my kids can have a better life. And then um, situations just just changed that for me. So it's not even just about my kids anymore. It's about um us as a culture, as a community, you know, and how we can affect people, how we can touch people, how we can um, make differences in people's lives. We can be in business for ourselves, but we don't have to be in business by ourselves, right? You're definitely going to evolve as your business evolves. So the part where you give yourself allowance that the things that were burning hot, important to you individually at the very beginning you know, it's been a relationship and a kid or a new address or a new dress size or a take, you know, you've stopped eating meat. So many things are going to change in your personal life um, as they should, because that's what evolution means. With each season of your business, your personal attentions are going to shift. Now, the business or your organization, by and large, is going to have a very similar mission, Um but that doesn't mean that, yes, it's it's evolving, but not the same way that you are as a person. You know, just your your 24-hour rotation is going to bring in so much to your world. So holding that truth while you're also holding this vision and this future of your business, it does shift and expand how you see yourself and now how does this business fit into your life. And it's inspiring and a, a note of caution to recognize that the work that you do, if your work has a is public facing in a way where, especially if you're offering resources or it's a gathering spot or your particular goods or services become popular, then it feels like you belong to the community, that your journey belongs to its customers, that your interest in, like she was saying, making sure she was taking care of taking care of her family and, her, and their future to feeling or recognizing that you're actually impacting more than just your kids, but kids across the city. That's incredible. And that's beautiful. And you are still a person inside of that movement. So finding ways to give yourself distance, boundaries, especially warning against the, the weight of wanting to fix and cure and save everyone because you've been able to fix, cure, save, and give joy to some. It's heavy and it's and it's uh, potent and it can also be an, a dangerous drain, not just to your business and organization, but to yourself as a person. So I love the giving yourself this space to grow and expand as your business grows and expand. And there'll be a point where you'll forget that you and your business are not the same. So remember this little voice, you and your business are not the same. There'll be so many days where it's not, you are not going to remember that. And those will be the days that you run thin, that you are overextended, that the success and journey of another stranger is going to weigh on the success and journey of you and your family. So it's, it's, a, it's a delicate balance of being engaged and being present and also being protective of your spirit and, and being able to disappear from time to time in 
very strategic and responsible ways. <laughs> but this is beautiful. So yeah, the more that you grow and the more that you do, the more that you're going to want to grow and the more you're going to want to do. And you're going to need to give yourself some some joy and some benchmarks along the way to keep everything in continued balance. In their words, Ambrose and J.D. Murphy talk about the difference between courage and bravery, between business and a side hustle, encore careers, and curiosity as a tool. What I say to people, um, young entrepreneurs, trust what's inside of you. And you have to experiment with your dream all the time. You, you have to. You have to bump up against some stuff. You've got to, you've got to get your nose bloody sometime. You've got to find out what doesn't work for you. All of that is a process of, of self-discovery because once you know who you are, then you know who you, and then find out who you are when you're at your best. Those are the things that change your life and put you on the path to say, okay, I can do this. I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then after a while, Ambrose, you know this, you become fearless become absolutely fearless nothing can stop you but until you know that about yourself and until you've 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 learned how to overcome those difficulties and obstacles you, you you're a pinball you know and pinballs are those those individuals that are controlled by the opinions and the actions of others mm, mm, mm. let's talk about that bloody nose i watched recently this program and the woman was um, taken into a boxing ring. So she's definitely not a boxer, but this is part of her experience that she was having. And so at the, at the end of it, you know, the boxer said, hey, so how'd that go? She said, you know, I did better than I thought I would did. And you got hit in the face, didn't you? She said, I sure did. She says, and how'd that go? She goes, you know, it, it stopped hurting after, after a few minutes. Yeah. And you kept going. So that idea of that bloody nose, the the like right now, I can tell you, I would never get in a boxing ring. Why? Because someone's going to hit me in the face. <laughs> the same way people say I would never get into business. I would never be an entrepreneur. I would never dot, 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 stand in front of people and speak because of what? Fear. And I'm sure getting punched in the face is not a pleasant feeling. And failing in business and falling down and realizing that you are outside of your comfort level or your skill set or your risk all of those pieces that feel um, like an L, like taking an L, what you are actually getting is a different L, not a loss, but a lesson. Like he says, the more that you understand what you're capable of and what you're not, and you challenge yourself and you refine those, that knowledge, fearlessness is a beautiful thing. And it's not a foolishness and it's not a um, an arrogance per, per se. It's not feeling you can do any old thing, but you don't let fear guide whether or not you do the next thing or not, because you've got a pretty strong inventory of times that you've tried and you have this muscle memory of how to try. That's a huge thing. Do you know how to try? Which is different from asking, do you know how to do X, Y, Z? We have a lot of folks who don't give themselves that permission. Why? Because no one wants to get punched in the face. Well, all the successful business folks, organization leaders, um, happy couples along the way have have had a bloody nose. And you learn something. You learn when to duck. You learn how much you can take. And uh, you learn what, it, what brings on a punch in the face in the first place. So this is really, really great advice about leaning into expanding your skills, living a full life, and knowing when you're being cautious and when you're being fearful. And those things will invite you into a really 
rich experience in life and in business. In their words, Dasha Kelly Hamilton and Kawan Brown talk about putting pen to paper and planning, bringing others into the room, and being intentional about business and not busyness. I've described the, this, this experience that we've all been processing through has been a way that's recalibrated, honestly, what balance gets to mean for me, because I won't at all be a poster child for balance. I have not been a poster child for balance. Many of us, the things that are not about revaluating about values, but things that are taken away, things that have been given to us in these times of being sheltered in place, not being able to move around and having to redesign how I get through day to day, week to week, month to month. And at the end of that first, I call it first COVID summer, in my body, I felt this this recalibration of at a cellular level of what got to be enough. There's been, a, thankfully, a lot of conversation in recent years about hustle mentality, about grind culture, about um, self-care. And a lot of those discussions are pointing to what many of us adopted as, as a a non-negotiable habit that you work through the night, that you up early, that you are doing 98% of 150% of everything, right? Of And it's not getting rest. It's not balancing in um, time to relax and, to, and to, to just be. And, it felt like you had to do, you know, working six out of seven days a week, seven if you can pull it off. And that's what was necessary. That's what you, that's how you stepped up. If you really were serious about this work, if you really were committed to this mission, if you really, really, really are about your money. And when none of the, when that pace wasn't possible, when that level of interaction and engagement and ripping and running was not healthy for the world, most of us were forced to rethink how we move and it takes something as as <laughs> monumental as a global pandemic i think when you have companies even rethinking what a work week looks like what about working remotely how do we educate all the things that everyone had to reconsider i appreciate the being forced to reconsider because as it turns out that there it's possible to still be focused and committed and productive and also being able to get sleep and also being able to have brunch also being able to leisurely read a book and it would have felt like a an invitation for failure before you know in the before times because everyone else is on the same insane um pace so i i also have the i'm privileged that i'm on the other side of of a of a career peak so i'm not starting out i'm not establishing my name i'm not um introducing my skill set those things are those things are known entities so i may have a i may have had a different experience and attitude if I were a fresh business or a new professional or coming out of the gate as an entrepreneur. I'll offer that to, to part of the formula. 
Um, but as my formula is, this was definitely a, a much needed lesson and high, highly unexpected to be honest. And I'm so grateful to be on this side of being able to, on a broader picture, rework how I work, rethink what's possible and to reclaim all the parts of my day, not just the parts attached to my work. Um, when I'm not working, I'm just as valuable. Uh, my time is just as important. And it makes me all the more better for all of those endeavors if I can honor all those parts of my day. So that was a really important gift. This entire series has been really Delicious is the word that comes to mind because it's something that you, it, it sounds great, like a really nice meal. It looks good. You have these incredibly talented and devoted entrepreneurs from across the state, but it actually was fulfilling and tasty and healthy and nourishing being able to one, connect these two audiences two for them to fall into genuine conversations um, with each other about the journeys to and through their businesses. And then to see it all pulled together where this podcast series is actually a report, right? It's part of a, of a research project is incredible. So once again, um, it, it was more than what I would have expected, which any great dining experience will offer. Um, and I think we've all made some pretty, pretty, pretty impressive um, conversation partners along the way. So this is a great project. And I'm so excited to see this wisdom and these stories come to light and come to the public ear. And more than anything, for these entrepreneurs to stay connected through the next phases of this work is going to be something special. This is Dasha Kelly Hamilton, and you've been listening to In Our Words podcast. 